We're glad that you joined with us, and we pray that you have a uh, are having a, a great morning. And we're going to open the word here in just a moment. And and uh, thank you for joining with us. Let me mention a couple things uh, for you guys. N- starting next week, uh, we have you know with 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 the situation and the circumstance and everything that had been going on, we had kind of not we had not been having nursery and kids classes and things like that just just because of. Uh, because of all the, you know, with everything that was happening and everything. And, uh, we feel like that we are in a position now to where we can, to where we can restart that. Uh, we're taking precautions. We're making sure everything's sanitized. We've been doing that the whole time, but, but with our kids and our nursery and different things like that. So starting next Sunday, the first Sunday in July, starting next Sunday, uh, our nursery will be open back up and our King's Kids will be open back up as well. So we're going to start our, our classes back, uh, King's Kids classes, and uh, and the nursery will be open back up. Now, just a couple things that I want to encourage you to do. I mean, these times are different, you know, a little bit than they than they were in the past. We just we we do ask that if your kids have are running temperatures or uh, or even not only just kids but you yourself or if you're running a temperature or or not feeling well, you know, stay home and watch it on on TV or on uh, Facebook with us there. Uh, just to protect other people, you know. I mean, we we want to use wisdom. We believe in we believe in healing. We believe in divine health, and and we're we're standing on Psalm 91. Uh, that's all fine and well, and and that's that's where we are with that. But at the same time, we use common sense as well, and and wisdom. And you know, so if you've been sick or your family's been sick, you know, you don't want to take the chance of of bringing that in to somebody else. So uh, we just ask that if if you if if uh, you know if you're if you're not feeling well or your kids are not feeling well, don't bring them. Um, you know, and just watch on watch at home on Facebook, and that'll be that'll be uh, watching out for other people as well. Amen. And you can let us know, and we can definitely be praying for you and standing with you. We've been doing that the whole time as well. So uh, you know, any needs you have, those of you that are that are still watching on on Facebook, if if you have needs or you need prayer, by all means, you can uh, you can. Get in touch with us, and we'll be praying and believing God with you, and that'll be wonderful. Amen. So starting next week, though, our nursery and King's Kids will be back open, and and uh, so we're believing that some of you will be able to, to come on back and, and rejoin us here. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, today we have, uh, we're continuing our series on uh, the names of God. This is the fourth week that we've been doing this. The first week was the introduction. The, sec- the second week we looked at... Uh, Elohim, the first name in the Bible in Genesis 1-1, uh, you know, where it says, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and that was the, the name Elohim. Uh, then last week we looked at the, we looked at the name Yahweh, uh, first, first came about when, when, uh, Moses, uh, when God introduced himself to Moses, and Moses asked, you know, who am I gonna tell, who am I gonna tell him sent me? And God said, I am. Uh, or Yahweh, he he had those four the four consonants that that you couldn't pronounce without a vowel. They you know it was such a holy name. We talked about that last week, but it was such a holy name that that they uh, that they wouldn't even pronounce it. And you know, and they, that they would substitute a name. They would substitute names for that. And then eventually they they did add some vowels to that to where that's where they got the name Yahweh, the pronunciation Yahweh. You translate that into English when when uh, when the Bible was translated into English, and and that's where we get our word Jehovah. Uh, the Jehovah is just the English translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. So Yahweh and Jehovah are are pretty interchangeable there. And you know, so we looked at that we looked at that word last week, and then this week we're going to look at the name Adonai. 
And, uh, you know, we, we talked about last week, like, uh, you know, and through this whole series we've been talking about, we've been asking the question. The biggest question we want to ask is this, as we, as we unpack these names and as we, uh, as we start looking at this, the biggest question we want to ask ourselves is, do we see, do we see our Father like that? Do we know Him like that? You know, when, when you start unraveling the names and you start unpacking the names and you start realizing what these names mean, we start saying, do I know my Father in that way? You know, you talk about Elohim, the Creator, the, the God who made everything out of nothing. Do I know Him that way? When, when I have nothing and I need something, do I look to Elohim? You know, I mean, and, and that's the importance of understanding these names. Because, and, and this, and today is going to be a, a continuation from last week as far as uh, the word Lord. But we talked about how that so many times you see these names in the Bible and it's just like almost, it's almost like we've made it a generic name. Like the word God. You know, we just think when we read God, we just think, oh, that's just God. You know, He's out there or whatever the case may be. But there's so much more to His name than that. You know, and, and it's not just in the beginning this force created the heavens and the earth. No, it was Elohim that created the heavens and the earth. And when he, excuse me, when he introduced himself to us that way as Elohim, what he, he was inviting us to, to partake in who he is. Amen. That's an incredible thing. Last week, when, when he talked about Jehovah, he introduced him, when he introduced himself as Jehovah, the great I am, he, he introduced him and he said, I will be whatever you need me to be for you. You know, and, and, and so as we look to him as Jehovah, as we look to him as, you remember last week, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll talk about this, but, but Jehovah or Yahweh in the, in our, most of our, uh, translations is, is translated as Lord, L-O-R-D. And, you know, and, and, and we talked about this last week as well, but, but, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but, but there's sometimes Lord is all capitals, and other times Lord is a capital L with a little O-R-D. Well, that's two totally different names. But yet, it's still translated Lord. When you see the word Lord with all capitals, L-O-R-D, all capitals, that is the name Yahweh. That is the name Jehovah. When you see, when you see uh, the, the word Lord with a capital L and a little O-R-D, that is the name we're going to be looking at today, and that is Adonai. And so, for example, turn, let's, put up, uh, let's put up Psalm 136. Let's do this first. Uh, this is a little bit different than I was going to, but Psalm 136, verse 1. Now, if you've got your Bible, open up your, if you, hopefully you've got your Bible with you, but if you don't, we'll put, the, put it up on there. But this is one of those interesting verses because we're going to see the first three names. We're going to see Elohim, we're going to see Jehovah, and we're going to see Adonai right here in three verses, one right after the other. In the, in the Scripture, it's the name Lord, and then God, and then Lord. But yet, but this is the three names that we've looked at. So in Genesis chapter 1, I mean, Genesis, I mean, Genesis, I'm back in Genesis. Psalm 136, in Psalm 136 verse 1, David said this. David said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now notice, notice it's all capitals. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So what name is this if it's all capitals? It's Yahweh or Jehovah. Right? He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. 
for His mercy endures forever. Verse 2. It says, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. That word God is Elohim. So he says, Oh, give thanks to Elohim of, of all gods. Now remember, Elohim was a plural, was a plural name, was a plural, uh, you know, it was, it's plural, uh, a plural word, I should say. And the reason it's plural is because we, at the, when we looked at that word, remember, it, we talked about how that it represents the Trinity. It represents all three of the Godhead. We looked at the different times that all three of the God, all three of the Godhead was mentioned, and Elohim is a plural, and that's the reason it says he is he oh thank give thanks to the God of gods. And a lot of times, sometimes even in modern uh, language or in, in uh, uh, secular writings, they would use the word Elohim. Uh, for plural, like when there were multiple gods, they would sometimes substitute the name and just put Elohim in there. But the majority of the time that Elohim was used, it was used for God, the plural of, of you know, in, in a plural sense, showing that the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here he says, Oh, give thanks to Elohim, who is the Elohim, or the Supreme, the God of all gods, for His mercy endures forever. Then in verse 3, David said this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Now, notice this Lord. Now, actually, there's two different ones here because, and, and I'm, this is the reason I wanted you to see this. Remember in verse 1, L-O-R-D was all capital. That was Yahweh. Here in verse 3, it's the capital L and a little O-R-D. And so this is the actually, this is actually, if you look it up in Hebrew, it would actually be the name Adonai. And then it says the Lord of Lords, and notice that that L is not capital. That that's all, all lowercase letters. And because when you have the capital L with the O-R-D, that represents, you're going to find, and, and we'll, I'll show you this uh, as we unpack the name Adonai, is that the word Adonai only refers to God. It's not used for anybody else. If, if you were talking about, and, and I'll go ahead and say this, the name Adonai means master. It means ruler. Okay? So that's the reason that, uh, like for example, we'll, we'll see this. You know, one of the, one of the big hot topics right now that, that gets people all worked up and people get so offended over and everything is, is the talk about slaves. Right? I mean, this whole thing about the statues and people wanting to pull statues down because they were slave owners and different things like that. Well, the Bible talks a lot about slaves. And when you were a slave, the person that owned you was your master. They were, they were your Lord. That, that was a title, that was a word that they used for that. The word Lord. Now, it would be the little L, it wouldn't be the big L. It would be, they were your Lord, they were your master, they were your owner. This is the same word. But then, but what we're going to find out is this. When it gets translated over, starts talking, starts, when it starts talking about God, man, this brings so much power and so much authority in our lives when we understand and when we yield to Him as our Master, as our Lord, when we yield to Him as Adonai, there is such incredible power. So you can see from these three verses, verse 1 talked about, uh, talked about Jehovah, 
Verse 2 talked about Elohim. Verse 3 talked about Adonai. So you can see that if you, if you didn't know what these words meant, you know, you would just look at that as just general, think about Lord, God, Lord, and think it's all just one thing, that he's talking about one, one subject. But it's actually three totally different names, talking about the same God, yes, but three totally different attributes and three totally different, uh, uh, relationships that we can have with our Father. This, I mean, it's an incredible study. And this is just the first three names. You know, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that. But so the word Adonai, let's talk about this for a moment. The word Adonai comes from the root word Adon, A-D-O-N. Adon means master. And it's singular. And it, it's, it's like when you, when, when a slave had a master, he was his Adon. He was his Lord. But then when you, when, when it was used, uh, Genesis 15, let's turn to Genesis 15 and we'll see the first time that it was used here. Genesis chapter 15, the first time when, when Abram was the first one to use this name, and from here on out, from this point on out, any time that Adonai is used, it is always used concerning or relating to our Heavenly Father. It's not a name that's used in the secular terms, it's only it's on, the name is only used when it's talking about God. So Adon is the, the singular version of this, and it meant master, it meant lord, it meant ruler. But then um, here, when we, when we get in chapter 15, let's just read the first two verses and then we'll talk about it. It says, um, And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, what happened in chapter 14, if you remember, Chapter 12 is where, because this is important, chapter 12 is where God shows, to, shows up to Abram, calls him out of his city, calls him out of his land, tells him to, to go to a place that God will show him, and tells him not to take anybody with him. And, and of course, we know that Abram half obeyed God, right? I mean, he left the country, but he took his, he took his nephew and he took his father with him. And we know that that ended up costing him ten years. Because his dad got tired, his dad got sick, and he, he, he had to stop. And it cost him ten years from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15. It was a ten year period that Abram, from the time when God first showed up to Abram and said, leave and, I, leave and go to a country, I'll show you. I'm going to make you the father of nations. I'm going to do this, this. God gave Abram the promise and Abraham didn't fully obey him and it cost him ten years. So ten years later, Abram's dad dies. They, so, so after his dad dies, they bury his dad. They move, they, they start, you know, Abram starts going toward, um, you know, following God again, seeking God, hearing God's voice. And then, of course, we know the story about Lot and Abraham where they, they were, had so much favor on them that their animals grew, their flock grew, and they got to the point where they couldn't stay together. They had to separate. And Abram just told Lot, go whichever way you want, I'll go the other way. So they separated. Lot went one way, Abram went the other way. Well, word came back to Abram that, that a, a king had came and invaded the place where Lot had been and captured Lot and all of his people and had taken them captive. And they were, they had burnt the city and had taken them captive and had left. Well, so Abram, Abram seeks the Lord, and the Lord says, go. And Abram takes his hired servants, or, you know, takes his, the people that he's got with him. Just He didn't have, I mean, it wasn't a large army, but he took, I think it was maybe like 300 people or something. Like that, which, that's a lot, a lot of people. But, but he took a group with him, and he went and he rescued Lot. 
He fought an entire army, rescued Lot, brought back everything that that, that king had stolen, and he came back, and this is where, in, at the end of chapter 14, where uh, Melchizedek comes, in, comes into the picture. And Abraham gives tithes to, to him being the high priest, which most people believe, that's for a whole other day, but most people believe that was, that was a, a Jesus coming down representing you know, a priest and a, the, 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 the priest and the king, uh, King Melchizedek. So anyway, so he just, he just ended up giving tithes to Melchizedek, and then he comes, and then after that, we, we come to chapter 15, and this is where we pick up, and this is ten years after the first time that God had spoke to Abram. And it said, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, verse 2, But Abram said, Lord God. Now notice that's a little as a capital L, little O R D. So so this is Abraham said to him, Adonai Elohim. He said, Adonai Elohim. Now, so when he said Adonai, what he was saying was this. He was calling him his Lord, his master. It's a picture, the best picture that the Hebrew language gives is the picture of a slave. What what Abram was saying was this. God, You are my Master. You are the one that I get all my instruction from. Whatever You say, I will do. I am surrendering my will to Your will. You know, I am no longer my... I'm no longer just... It's no longer just about me. It's whatever You want. Is That's what I want. That's what Abram said when he called God Adonai. And he said, and he said Lord God, or Adonai Elohim... What will you give me, seeing that I go childless and that the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? So, so Abram asked him a question. Now, this is important because, see, as we unpack this, you're going to see that this, the, the important thing, when you think about a slave owner or when you think about somebody that owned people, okay, and from biblical time, when they, when they had servants and when, when they would buy people for certain, as a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 20, it talks about that. It talks about how that that you could buy another person that was kind of struggling, and if they didn't have the means to, uh, if they didn't have the means to provide for their family, a lot of times they would sell themselves to to somebody who had means, and they would sell themselves for six years, and after six years, on the seventh year, they would be set free. And, and, and Exodus chapter 20 goes into this where it talks about that after six years, if, if that person wanted to, it said that if, if he had married somebody, if, the, if his master had given him somebody to marry and they had kids, that they said if they wanted to stay with their wife and their kids, they could go back to their master and they could say, they could say I don't want to leave. I want to stay your servant. And that's where, that's where we get the term bond servant. And it says that if, if, if a slave or a, a servant came to their master and said, I don't want to be set free, I want to serve you willingly, it said that that person, the master would take that person and take, take them to a doorpost and run an awl through their ear and make a hole in their ear and they would have a, either a symbol or a, a certain color or something like that. And that represented and that showed that that person was a bond servant forever to this, to this ruler, to this master. 
Now, and you might think, well, that's kind of weird. But you fast forward to the New Testament in, in Romans chapter 9, or Romans, in the book of Romans, Romans 1 1, Paul introduces himself as a bondservant to Jesus. So he used the same terminology saying that I, I'm, I'm doing this freely. I'm serving God freely. And out of my own will, out of my own uh, intentions, I'm surrendering everything of myself and I'm giving it all to Jesus. Whatever He says, that's what I'm doing. He is my Master. He is my Lord. So here, Abraham calls God Adonai. And he says, you are my Lord. Now, it's interesting that as soon as he calls him Adonai, that God takes him outside and he asks a question. He says, "He says, what will you give me, seeing or how will I know that you're going to be my shield and my reward is going to be great, seeing that I don't have a child yet? Because the promise of God was that Abram would have a child. And he said, the only child I have is through a bondservant, through or through a, a, a slave, or you know somebody that that was his that was Sarah's uh, help take care of Sarah. And, and he said, the only the only child I have is through them, and it's not even out of out of for me and Sarah. He said, so how how is this going to happen? So then God starts speaking to him, and you can follow through and uh, look on down in verse three. It says, uh, Abram says, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who shall come from your body shall be your heir. Then God brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if, you can, if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. So when, God, when Abram recognized him as master, God said, okay, he said, I can take you a step further now. He, he brought him outside. He said, now look up into the star, uh, into the sky. If you can count the stars, that's how many descendants you're going to have. So when he recognized him as master, as Lord, God said, here's, here's what's going to happen. Now, why was that so important? Think about this for a moment. If you, in this, in biblical times, okay, in biblical times, if you had a servant, like what we're talking about, you could you could put the word slave in there. I don't like that word per se. I mean, we'll we'll call it servant. Okay, somebody that is that is that you know that it, that you have from from a biblical perspective that you you know in the old covenant that they could they could have people serving them. So so if you had a servant as as that servant's master, you were responsible for his food. You were responsible for his clothing. You were responsible for his protection. In other words, you were 100% responsible for what happened to that person. So when Abram, when Abram starts this conversation with God and calls Him Lord, what Abram was really saying was this, Lord, if, if, if you are my Lord and this, this promise is going to be true, then you have to come through because you are responsible for everything in my life. Is no longer, I'm no longer responsible. Like, I don't have to go out and try and make this happen. If you gave me a promise, you were going to make this happen. And that's the reason that Abram asked him, but Lord, the only one in my house right now is not even mine and Sarah's. It's, you know, it's not even one of my own heirs. And God told him, no, you're, he said, your descendant, or he said, he said, the promise will come through somebody out of your loins, out of you and Sarah. So he was telling him, this will happen. 
And then he even expanded the covenant and said, now look into the sky and look in the stars. And if you can count the number of stars, that's how many numbers your descendants will be. That's what happens when Abraham said, you are my Lord, you are my master. God said, now, now, that, now that we have this relationship, now I can expand your vision because now I'm the one bringing it to pass. Man, that's incredible. Now, if you, if you turn to, uh, actually it's Exodus 21. I said Exodus 20, but Exodus 21 verses 1 through 6 is the, is the scripture talking about a bond servant and freely, uh, referring to that. Now, if you turn to, uh, Exodus chapter 4, we looked at this scripture some last week, or Exodus chapter 3. This is where, where God, uh, shows up to Moses in the burning bush and introduces himself to, to Moses as, as Jehovah or, or Yahweh. And, uh, and he's, he's having this conversation with Moses. Now we're going to go to chapter 4, and let's just start looking in verse 10. Because here, this is where Moses, Moses calls God Adonai here in this conversation as well. So remember what happened. God shows, to, shows up to Moses in this burning bush, and, and Moses turned aside to see, and God told him, Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and you're going to be the deliverer of my people. And of course, you know the story of Moses. He, he came from, uh, you know, I mean, he ran from Pharaoh after he killed that servant, after he killed the Hebrew, the Hebrew, and he ran from him. He had been on the backside of the desert for 40 years, running from Pharaoh, running, wondering any day if, if the Egyptians are going to come and try to get him because he killed somebody. And, but now here God shows up and said, I want to send you back to the very people you've been running from for 40 years. And, you know, so Moses is having this conversation just like any of us would uh, if, God, if God sent you back somewhere that you've been running from for 40 years. So God's having this conversation with Moses. And then down in verse 10, um, verse, in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, uh, Elo, now notice this, he says to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. So he says, so Moses, Moses it says he said this to Yahweh because that's how he knew him. But then notice, notice what he said. He said, Oh my Lord, capital L, little O-R-D. So he said, Oh my Adonai, or my master, my, my, my ruler. He says, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, before we go to the next verse, think about this. Remember what we said. When somebody is your Adonai, when somebody is your master, when somebody is your ruler, they are 100% responsible for you. They, they are responsible for everything that happens to you. So Moses cries out and says, you're my Adonai, but I'm slow of speech. I can't talk. I've got to stutter. I've got to slur. My speech is slurred or whatever, however, whatever Moses, excuse Moses was making. And he says, God, how's this going to work? I, I can't do this. Look at verse number 11. So the Lord, so, so Jehovah Yahweh said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I, Jehovah? So see, Moses' question was, Oh God, I can't speak right. And, and he says, Oh Adonai, he says, You're my Lord, you're my master. You know, I can't speak right. So God comes back and says, Moses, do you don't think since I made you, you don't think that I can put words in your mouth? You not think that I can, that I can uh, cure whatever problem you have? 
You know, because if you look at Him as your Lord and your Master, then you have to understand that if He's called you to do something, He will give you everything you need to accomplish it. He's not going to send you out to do something that is impossible for you to do with Him helping you. So verse 12. So it says, now there, or actually verse 11. Did you? We went ahead. Go back to verse 11. I'm sorry. So the Lord said to him, Who has made the man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, the blind? Have, I, have not I the Lord? Verse 12. So it says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to say. So God answered him and said, Look, I will, he says, Since I am your master, since I am your, your, the, the owner of you, the ruler of you, I'll give you everything you need. Look at verse 13. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, again he called him Adonai. He says, Oh my Lord, please sin by the hand of whomever else you may sin. So God had called Moses. He, he had had this conversation with him. And God said, I want you. I've chosen you. I've picked you. And here Moses again calls him Adonai. You're my master. And God, you know, he says, I've got this speech problem. God says, I'll cure your speech problem. I'll teach you what to say. I'll be with you because I will take care of everything that I, that you will ever need as your master, as your Lord. I will take care of you. But then here Moses is again, oh Adonai, please send somebody else. I'm not able. And then you see in verse 14, just the first couple verses, Says so, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. But and and of course, you know, we're talking Old Testament here. But but why was the anger of the Lord kindled against him? Because Moses was calling him Lord, but he wasn't actually receiving him as Lord. He was saying, "Lord, you're my Lord, but I don't think that you can handle this part of me." Because when you call somebody Lord, when you call them Master, you trust them with one hundred percent of you. Think of the story of Gideon. We won't take the time to look there in Judges. But Gideon was the same way. Gideon had the same conversation. He's down there, uh, you know, uh, pressing uh, wheat and all this hiding and stuff. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he has this same conversation. And, and we know the end of the story, how that, that, that he went from 30,000 all the way down to like 300 men. And God was with, with Gideon and, and, and they defeated the armies. And it was all because, and in that whole conversation, if you look at that conversation that Gideon had, it was the same way in the fact that he called him Adonai. He called him, when he said, oh my Lord, when he said Lord, it was Adonai. And when he trusted him as Adonai, God was able to take what looked impossible, you know, at first he had a, he had 30,000 men and it still looked impossible. But God even windled it down just to 300 men simply so that Gideon would know that it was, that it was, uh, Elohim. It was the God that could do, that could create something out of nothing. It was Jehovah. It was Adonai that did this thing through Gideon. And when Gideon trusted him as his master, he saw great things happen. So now listen to this. We uh, look at Isaiah chapter six before we get out of the old covenant, the old testament, and then we're going to turn to the new and look at a couple of scriptures. Isaiah chapter six. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter six, verse one, and this is probably a very familiar scripture to you, but it says, "In the year that King Uzziah died." Now. You have to remember, in those days, the king 
the natural king was was a very important person. And and Isaiah being a prophet was very close to the king. Remember, in, in the Old Covenant, when we read the Old Testament, remember, there were three people. There were three people that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon at times. It was the priest, the prophet, and the king. So here you have the, the king and the prophet, King, king Uzziah, and then, and then Isaiah. And so Isaiah says it was, in, it was in the same year that King Uzziah died, his king, his master. Now, and also, we have, you have to realize, in this, in this day, the kingdoms were monarch, monarchies. In other words, whatever the king said went. You were, he was your lord from that standpoint in the natural. Nobody went against the king. If any, as a matter of fact, you had to have permission to go talk to the king. If you walked into the king's presence without, without proper permission, they could cut your head off right there. I mean, he was the ruler. He was the head honcher. He, whatever he said went in the natural. So here, king, or Isaiah says, in the year that, that the natural king died, he says, I saw the Lord. Capital L, little O-R-D. So he says, the king, in the same year that King Uzziah died, I had a vision and I saw Adonai sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So he said, so what Isaiah was saying was this, the same year that the natural king died, I had the vision and I saw my spiritual king. I saw my spiritual master. I saw my spiritual Lord, my Adonai. And you read the rest of that story and, and he cries out and he says, who will go? And this is where, where Isaiah says, here I am, send me. You know, because he saw the Lord. He saw Adonai. He saw who, who God was to him. And of course, we know the whole, the rest is history with Isaiah, of course, with, with all the great things that Isaiah did. Now, let's go over to the New Covenant, to the New Testament. When you translate the word Adonai into the new, into Greek, which is the New Testament was written in, you, you have the word Kyrios, K-U-R-I-O-S. In the New Covenant, it is listed, or it is used some 750 times. So, so the Old Covenant, actually, the word Adonai is used like 380 times in the Old Testament, but the New Testament version of that, the word Lord is used 750 times in the New Testament. And let's just look at a couple of these that are very interesting. Look at, uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. And a couple of these are, these are real startling things because it kind of goes to the, it kind of goes to the, to the picture of what Moses was encountering when Moses, when Moses was calling him Adonai, but he wasn't really receiving what, what Adonai could do for him. In other words, see, this, this goes back, and I kind of mentioned this last week, a lot of people are okay with, with Jehovah being their Savior. But they don't want to have Adonai in their life because they still want to rule their life. They're okay with, they're okay with the Savior part of God saving them from hell and, and they're on their way to heaven. Praise the Lord, that's great. But when God seeks to be Adonai in their life, they take a step back and say, well, I don't think I'm ready to give up full control yet. And see, that's what Moses did. Moses, Moses was calling him Lord, saying, Lord, I trust you. But then all of a sudden, he, he stepped back saying, but I have all these problems and I'm not ready to go yet. 
And of course, when you come to the New Testament, there's a couple times here that Jesus kind of addresses this. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 21, Jesus said this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that's capital L, little O-R-D. So, so that is, if you look that up, it's saying, not everyone who says to me, Kyrios, Kyrios, which means, which is the, the Greek translation of Adonai. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say, now to me, to me, this, this is probably one of the saddest scriptures that I, that I read in the New Testament. Because in verse 22, he says this, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast demons out in your name? And done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, he goes on to say this, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The King James says iniquity. So Jesus Himself said that there's many people that say, Lord, Lord, but then they don't do what He says to do. See, because if we're going to, call, if we're going to know God as Adonai, if we're going to truly know Him as our Lord, then what that means is this. We're no longer ourselves. We no longer own ourselves. He is our Master. We surrender our will we surrender everything about us to Him. Now, that doesn't mean we become robots, because what we find is this. What we find is, and we've talked about this many times, what we find is that, that God partners with us. We become co-laborers together. And the, thing, the, the desires and the dreams that are in our heart, He will partner with us in those. Why? Because they come from Him in the first place. But, when you get to the place where you start saying, well, I know what God says, and I know what God wants me to do, but I'm going to go this way. Then, then like Jesus said, there will come a day when, when God may have to, God may look at you and say, you know, you, you said, you, you gave me lip service, but where was your heart? See, because God's not just about words, God's about your actions. He's about your heart. And it doesn't take long, it doesn't take long to reveal your heart. I, you know, I've heard it said many times that, that, you know, you can tell pretty quickly where people's heart is by just looking at their checkbook. Where you spend the most money is where, where your interests lie. Right? And, and, you know, and, and really, and, and we could say it this way too, where you spend your most time is where, is where your interests lie. You know, if you spend, if, if you, if you, uh, just come to church and, and you're here Sunday mornings for two hours and, and then you leave and you don't think about God again until next Sunday morning, then chances are you don't have a very good relationship with Him. Think of it this way. What if I told you, I, I got up and, and, you know, Stacey and I just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary and, and uh, and I, I got up describing my relationship with Stacy. She's not in here, but uh, she's in nursery this morning. But but uh, but I was describing my relationship with Stacy, and we're talking about 26 wonderful years. We've everything's so great. So well, we got this great relationship, great kids. All, everything's wonderful. Everything's great. And I make this statement. You know, I can I can stand before you today and say this. 
I am 85, 85% of the time, I am faithful to Stacy. 85% of the time. Out of 26 years, 85 to 90% of the time, I have been totally faithful to her. Whew, man, that's great. Well, that's not really that good. And probably some of y'all will be looking at me like, you know, hold up, wait a minute. You know, what are you talking about 85% of the time? <clears throat> because, because we know this. We know that in a marriage relationship, 85% of the time, 90% of the time, I could even have said 95% of the time. As a matter of fact, I could have even said 99% of the time I've been faithful to her. Well, guess what? That means that I haven't been faithful to her. And that means that I've done things outside of my marriage that I should not have been doing. Well, let me ask you this. And I know, pull your toes back so I don't step on them too hard, but, but how many of us, what percentage could we say that we've been faithful to our Adonai? I mean, when we look at it, can we say, can we say, can we, can we literally call him Adonai knowing that we're faithful 100% of the time? Now, yes, I understand that nobody's perfect. I understand that. And we all miss the mark. But, here's the one thing that I'll say. We should be getting closer and closer to the mark every day of our lives. As we get to know him, we should become, be becoming more like him, not more like the world. When people see us, they should be able to see more of Him in me, not less of Him. There should be a, a huge distinction between the way I look and the way the world looks. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 6. Now, but here's the thing I want you to see, and I'm getting ready to show you a Scripture here to back this up, because, because, I, under, because I hear what you're saying. Well, now you're getting into works. You're getting into, you're getting into saying we've got to work to do things. You know, in Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to answer that question here in just a second. Luke chapter 6, and just one verse here, verse 46. You could read a lot of this, but Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said this. He said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? That's that word kurios, or the, it's the, the Greek translation of, of, uh, of Adonai. He says, why do you call me kurios, kurios, and not do the things which I say? So in other words, what he, we could turn that around and say this and not take anything away from the Scripture. We could turn it around and say this. If you're going to call Him Adonai, then you're going to do what He says. There's not going to be a distinction between what He says and what you do. Why? Because He's your Adonai. He's your Lord. He's your Master. Now look at 1 Corinthians. I found this verse. This was, this was, this was a really cool verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, I think Lester Summerall said this statement. I believe, I, I believe that's where I got this. He said this. He said, Believing in Jesus as Savior takes you to heaven, but declaring Jesus as Master or Lord or Adonai and living for Him brings heaven to you. I'll say that again. Believing in Jesus as Savior takes you to heaven, but declaring Jesus as Adonai or as Master and Lord and living for Him brings heaven to you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 7. 
verse 20. Now, Jesus here is talking about, or I mean, Paul here is talking about uh, the title over mine, starting in verse 17, says, live, uh, live as you are called. And he's talking about circumcision and uncircumcision and different things like that. But, but in verse 20, I'll read this from the King James, and then I'm going to read it from the Mirror Translation because it's really good. Uh, actually, let's just read it, for, let's read it from the Amplified first, and then we'll do the Mirror. The Amplified says this in verse 20. Everyone should remain after God. Everyone should remain after God. Calls him in the uh, after God calls him in the station or the condition of life in which the summons found him. Were you a slave when you were called? Do not let that trouble you. But if you are able to gain your freedom, avail yourself to that opportunity. For he who has a for he who as a slave was summoned in to, the, to be in union with the Lord, is a freed man of the Lord. Just so, he who is free when he was called is now a bondservant of Christ the Messiah. You were bought with a price. You were purchased with a preciousness and paid for by Christ. Then do not yield yourselves up to become, in your own estimation, slaves to men. But consider yourselves slaves to Christ. Isn't that interesting? The mirror translation says this. You are not what your career or job description say you are. Even if you were the lowest ranked slave before, it makes no difference to the dignity of your true identity. I am not saying that you should not go for promotion By all means, take it if it comes your way. The point that I'm making is that Christ, the point that I'm making that in Christ, you are equally free whether you are a slave or free man in society, a boss or an employee. Now listen to this, this is so good. Society might label you as a slave, but Christ reveals how free you really are. Then again, you might be a so-called free person in society, but in Christ, you are a bond slave. Verse, I love verse 23. He says this, You are not for sale. The ransom God paid for your freedom now binds you to the lordship of His love. The sign over your life says, Sold. You are not for sale to the religious system of the law of works and performance-based approval. Come on. So what he's saying is this. What, what Paul was saying was this. It doesn't matter where you are in society. It doesn't matter whether, whether you're at the bottom or whether you're at the top. What he was saying, and, and he used the slave and the, the master or the boss and employee, but what he was saying was this. In Christ, if you are a slave... You know, in the natural, in Christ, you're a free man. If you're a free man in the natural, in Christ, you are a bond servant. In other words, we are all the same. Another scripture says it this way, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. In other words, there's not a place for slaves and a place for masters. There's not a place for the, the rich and, the, and the, the poor. At the foot of the cross, what Jesus did, what Jesus did for all of us, we're all, you know, we're not, we're not labeled by what society says we are. What we're labeled as is who God says we are. And that is free. We're, we're free, but we're also bond servants to Him. 
Now, the question we, we ask is this. The, what I've been wanting you to see is this. Is the question is, do I see my Heavenly Father that way? And the question will be this. When, when we look at Jesus' life, can we see that He looked at, fa- at His Father as Adonai? And if so, can we find that in Him? Well, think, think of, I mean, I think of one classic example, and there's many more. But I think of one classic example when He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? And He's, he's about to go to the cross for us. And He's there and He bows down. And, and three times He prays that prayer. He says, he says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from Me. In other words, he's saying, is there another way I can, that, that, you know, he's looking to see if there's, a, if there's any other way other than the way God said that this was going to happen. And then Jesus finally, he came to the point where he said this. He said, he said, he said, let this cup pass from me. He says, but not my will be done, your will. So what he said was this, I'm laying down my will and I'm picking yours up. That is looking. That is having an Adonai relationship. That is saying, "You are my master. You are my Lord." Jesus, how many times did he say this? He said it two or three times. We got in the scripture where he says, "He says the things you hear me say, I only say what I hear my Father say. The things you see me do, I only do what I see my Father do." Why was Jesus? Did he not know what to say? Did he not know what to do? It wasn't about that. It was that he looked at he looked at his father as Adonai. He was his master. And whatever he said to do, that's what he did. Whatever he said to say, that's what he said. So let's not be let's not be like the person that that will say, you know, hey, I'm I'm being faithful ninety percent of the time. I'm I'm doing good. If, if we're going to see Him as Adonai, if, he is, if Jesus is going to be our true Adonai, if our Father is going to be our true Adonai, and we're going to call Him Lord, then that means we surrender our will. We surrender our emotions. We surrender, we surrender what we want and pick up what He wants with our life. And you see, and that's when we start becoming co-laborers with Him and the very desires that we have in our heart, they're His desires now. And when they become His desire, and, and, and we hook up with His desire for our lives, man, then we are guaranteed that He is going to come through with every situation in our life. Why? Because if He is truly our Adonai, He is 100% responsible to see that promise come to pass for you. That's good news. Because see, now all of a sudden it takes us out of the picture and it's not about us. It's not about our works. It's all about just trusting and resting in His promise and what He's done for us. And when we do that, He becomes our Adonai. We become, we become His servant, His bond slave, His, His master who has willingly, we have willingly accepted Him as our Savior. We have willingly said, we want you to be our Lord, our Adonai. So, tell me what to say. Show me where to go. Give me the plan. Put the, you know, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You know, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture shows this. So the question is this. How many of us have laid down our ambitions? You know, we sang that song. 
there. And it said, you know, it's so much better your way. How many of us have tried it our way? <laughs> all of us probably. We've all tried to get things by works. We've all tried to get things by, by our own, you know, by our own thoughts and feelings and different things like that. But that's not, that's not the way God operates. BJ talked about it with that fig tree. That he's cut that, that, the, the old way, the old, the old way of doing things, the, the law system, doing it by works, has been chopped down. The axe has been laid to the root. It's, it's chopped down. It's no, the, the self way of doing things is no longer valid in the eyes of God. So the only way is for us to trust Him as Adonai. For us to call Him Lord. And then, and then not be like, it was in Isaiah 29, I believe Jesus mentioned it also, where it says that, that with their lips they give me service, but their heart is far from me. We don't want to be like that. We want to be ones that says, yes, Lord, we'll do what you say. Yes, Lord, we'll go where you call. And when we do that, then we saw it with Moses, we saw it with Abram, we saw it with Gideon, that when they recognized Him as Lord, when they, when they called on Him as Adonai, things opened up for them. When Jesus came, He saw everything He did was, was Adonai toward the Lord. You know, toward His own Father. He, he saw Him as Adonai. His Master here on the earth. Because He said, everything I say and do is exactly what the Father tells me to say and do. It's not my will, but it's His will. That's, that's what it's like. So the question is, do you know Him as Adonai this morning? And, and if the answer is no, if you say, man, I've been doing my own way, I've been, been you know, going after my own dreams and my own thoughts and different things like that, well then, it's as simple as, it's as, simple as just saying, Lord... I give, I give, I give everything to you. I lay down my will and I pick yours up. Show me, Lord. Show me, show me what it is that you want. Give me what it is that you would have me to do. And as we do that, friend, I promise you, things will open up. It, it, life will become so much better when we see Him as Adonai. Because, because now all of a sudden we're not, we're not the only ones responsible for our lives. Now He is. Because He's our Master. And the reality is you understand that when you become a Christian, He becomes your Adonai. The question, the question just really, really is, are you, are you walking those steps out? You know, are you seeing Him as that? Are you trusting Him as your Adonai? Because, because He is your Master. The Bible, the Bible, the Scripture tells us that who you yield yourselves to, that's who will be your Master. And you have two options. You can yield to the Spirit and be controlled by the Father, or you can yield to the flesh and be controlled by the enemy. Be controlled by the world. There's not a lot of options. Moses, was it Moses or Joshua, stood before the people saying, Today I present you life and death. You choose. And he says, Choose life. <laughs> you know, he said, I'll give you the answer to the quiz. Choose life, don't choose death. Choose Him as Adonai this morning. Amen. And when you do that, you'll see that He provides for everything. Amen. That's just another, one more aspect of who He is to us. Amen. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. And Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for these names that You have presented Yourself to us. I thank You, Father, for revealing to us 
who you are and who you want to be for us. And Lord, how, how that, even in Adonai, you want to be our master. You want to be, you, Father, you are, you want to be responsible for us. That's an incredible thing. You, you want to be our provider. You want to be everything to us that we will ever need. And I'm so grateful for that. So Father, this morning, my prayer is just simply this. If, if there's those here today that, that may not know you as Adonai, that may not truly know and, and, and have not truly yielded to you as master and as Lord of their life, then Lord, may today be that day that they, that they simply make that heart change just make that little change in their heart to say, to say, I'm laying my, I'm laying my agenda, my will down, and I'm picking up the Lord's. And Father, and thank you that you will open up so much for them as they do that. Father, this is not something that, that Father, nobody can force us to see you as that or not. It's only, it's every one of our choices. It's, it's who we choose to see you as. So Father, this morning my prayer and my desire is, that every person here would see you as Adonai, as their Master and as their Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing, for opening this up, for, for revelation flowing into each one of us as we, as we take this home and as we study and as we, as we seek you and, and ask questions about, about Adonai as we open the Word and we see this in, the, in your Word. Thank you for revealing and bringing more light to this, Father, to each one of us. So we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.